This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Just when you thought we were finally done talking about fiducia supplicants, one of the Bergolian cardinals, one of the hyper-modernists, couldn't help himself, but he decided he had to chime in. This cardinal has often been referred to as the American Newman, if you can believe that. We were talking, of course, about the very odd Cardinal Bishop, not Archbishop, but Bishop, of San Diego, Cardinal McElroy, who is my top choice as a Cardinal you should watch in the United States to get a promotion in the near future, because he's such a good, loyal Bergolian. I'd keep an eye on Chicago, where Cardinal Supich will be hitting the mandatory retirement age this year, although I doubt he will actually be retired out. He'll probably be given a job in the Roman Curia. But if Chicago became vacant, McElroy is my choice for the first and most likely cardinal to be awarded that prestigious holy, that prestigious see. And, it be, and this is it's stories like this that are really why that's the case. McElroy is a an eloquent interviewer and a gifted writer. He's very good at communicating ideas, but what he lacks is the ability to sell terrible ideas to to typical Catholics who actually have a functioning sense of the faith. And that's what we see here today. Cardinal McElroy has this strange idea in his head that we should not have any ill feelings towards the uh, James Martin crowd. And to a degree, he's right, of course, as Catholics, we should be praying for their conversion, for them to walk away from their life of sin, as we would with anybody else who not only dedicates themselves to sin, but actually identifies with the sins that they are attached to on a very personal level as being core to their very being. We should be praying in love for the conversion of all sinners. This is not news. This is Catholicism 101. But he finds it strange that there is uh, an animosity towards this group. He doesn't understand it. It's as if he hasn't been paying attention to the culture, what's been happening in the broader world, or the role of that particular group of people in the Ted McCarrick problems of the past several decades. Let's go to the story. He gave an interview to Crux Magazine, who professes to be taking the Catholic pulse, and they give us this headline. Key Pope ally says U.S. blowback to Fiducia is fueled by uh, anti-James Martin type animus. So animus is a funny word. It means hostility or ill feeling. I think that's actually accurate to a degree. We focus on this because the sin that is being made acceptable in the supposed church is a sin scripture unequivocally says cries out to heaven for justice. Fiducia supplicants makes no call for conversions, no call for repentance, only offers blessings. And it does so in a way that makes it very obvious that the couple is being blessed. After all, the little document itself says couple over and over again. Cardinal McElroy in this complains that we don't focus our energy on those in irregular situations that otherwise conform to nature but still violate the church's practice. And we don't do that because while the sin that they're engaged in is evil and an over-violation of the commandments, 
The James Martin sin rejects both the law of God and cries out to heaven for justice, according to scripture and tradition. They are, the, the two situations are practically apples and oranges, only commonly linked by them being sins of the flesh. So yes, we have ill feelings about those who pr- proudly reject the law of God. The same law that scripture in, inherently tells us was at the root of why our Lord wiped five cities off the map in the Old Testament. Which, by the way, I'll remind you, the modernists tell us it wasn't because of the sins of the flesh in question. It was because of their lack of, hos- of hospitality. Now, if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you. Nice beachfront property here in Oklahoma. Let's get to see what the cardinal here says. Quote, One of Pope Francis's most vocal allies in the American hierarchy has said that while it's fine for a priest concerned about holy matrimony to refuse to offer blessings of persons in double S type pairings, much of the U.S. opposition to a recent Vatican document authorizing such blessings is rooted not in doctrinal principle, but what he called an enduring animus against those in question. It is wholly legitimate for a priest to personally decline to perform the blessings outlined in Fiducia because he believes that to do so would undermine the strength of holy matrimony, Cardinal Robert McElroy of San Diego said Friday. The reference was to Fiducia Supplicants, the December 18th document of the Vatican's Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith permitting priests to offer non-liturgical blessings of quote-unquote couples in irregular situations, including double S types. It is crucial to emphasize that Fiducia simply clarified the questions about the permissibility of a priest pastorally blessings person, persons in irregular or James Martin pairings in a non-liturgical setting and manner, McElroy said. No change in doctrine was made. It is particularly distressing in our own country that the opposition to Fiducia focuses overwhelmingly on blessing those in double S types, rather than those many more men and women who are in uh, nature-conforming types that are not ecclesially valid said McElroy, who's widely seen as a leader of the progressive wing of the American church and a strong Francis supporter. McElroy didn't specify which sorts of non-ecclesially valid relationships he had in mind, but presumably may have been thinking, for example, of couples who live together outside of marriage. If the reason for opposing such blessings is really that the practice will blur and undermine the commitment to marriage, then the, uh, then the opposite should, one think, be focusing on at least equally on blessings for those Uh, natural types in our country. We all know why it's not, McElroy said, attributing it to an, quote, enduring animus among far too many towards the James Martin type, end quote. You know what? I'll give him this much. He's actually technically correct. Viducia Supplicants reiterates the dogmatic and doctrinal teachings of the church on the sacrament of holy matrimony. It does. It's right there in the document. It repeats it, the text of it. It then calls openly for violations of that teaching. And while through a distortion of the practice. Practice, or sometimes as it's called in theology, praxis is a funny thing in that it shows what we truly believe about something. Benedict XVI touched on this in an address he gave to educators in 2008 when he reminded us of a rather basic truth of life, that true praxis, meaning the true practice of what we believe, must be grounded in the truth. Quoting Benedict XVI here, quote, The church's primary mission of evangelization, in which educational institutions play a crucial role, is consonant with a nation's fundamental aspiration to develop a society truly worthy of the human person's dignity. The church's mission, in fact, involves her and humanity's struggle to arrive at truth. In articulating revealed truth, she serves all members of society by purifying reason, ensuring that it remains open to the consideration of ultimate truths. 
drawing upon divine wisdom. She sheds light on the foundation of human morality and ethics and reminds all groups in society that it is not praxis that creates truth, but truth that should serve as the basis of praxis. End quote. Fiducia Supplicans violates this. Fiducia Supplicans changes the practice. It ignores what the truth is. It, it affirms the truth in writing, but then it violates the truth over and over again. It rejects the law of God, and it puts the church into the practice of blessing evil. We know what Scripture says. We know what the tradition says. We know what the magisterium says about the sins in question. It's not the people per se, but it is the cost to those people of objectively rejecting the truth, and that is the cost of their souls. This document doesn't help anybody. What it does do is confirm people in their sin. It doesn't call for them to convert. It confirms them in their sin. And what happens when you confirm people in their sin? They stay on the path they're on. There's only one place that that leads. It's not to our blessed Lord. Now, McElroy, of course, he's not happy with any of that. He, he actually does, though, give us the game plan that the modernists have for really changing the doctrine of this, that, uh, that the traditional doctrine of the church, the traditional teaching of the church on this subject. And he brings it back to the synod of synodality. Quote, McElroy said that in the listening sessions, which led up to last October's month-long meeting of the synod in Rome, issues related to the James Martin crowd loomed large. The searing question of the church's treatment of James Martin types was an immensely prominent facet of synodal dialogues, he said. Anguished voices within that group, in unison with their families, cried out against perception that they are condemned by the church and individual Catholics in a devastating way. Yet McElroy conceded that among the bishops and other participants gathered in Rome, there was disagreement on the subject, listing it among what he called areas of, quote, deep divide in the assembly. The others included how to empower laity without undercutting the hierarchical nature of the church, the extent and limits of enculturation and decentralization, and the possible ordination of women deacons. On the other hand, McElroy also described areas of strong consensus in the meeting, such as the need to open up more roles in the church to laity. He cited the example that in his own diocese, he was unable to name a veteran administrator to the role of, quote, moderator of the curia, because under existing church law, that role is restricted to priests. Instead, McElroy told the crowd he, sim he simply appointed the layman as vice moderator of the curia and refused to name a moderator. He predicted that when the Synod of Bishops reaches its conclusion this October, reforms on such matters could come quickly. I think there will be a lot of progress on questions like this, he said, end quote. McElroy is reiterating what many of us have warned about. The decentralization of decision-making is what the Synod of Sin is about, and it's how do they plan to achieve their goals. We've there been a lot of news this week about the German Synodal Way, and one of the key talking points for the German Synod, the even worse Synod than the Church's Universal Synod going on right now, is that the German Church wants to put the laity in charge of choosing bishops choosing priests. What good can come from that? In this time, in this era of the church, when the only people in the church formed worse in the faith than many of the bishops and priests are the actual laity, which makes sense if you think about it for half a second, why would you put them in charge of the 
of any decision-making in the church. It used to be, not terribly long ago, before the council, that your typical parish was staffed by several priests at a time. That most of the things laity do in churches now were actually done by priests, or by transitional deacons, or by seminarians. But instead, they're now mostly done by laity. Laity functionally run many parishes as it is. Laity have very key roles in the local chancery offices that until fairly recently they didn't really have. Aside from maybe being a secretary or something. What changed? The decentralization of decision making already. And they're going to double and triple down on it because it's one of their safeguards for making sure that Francis's reforms stick around for long after he's gone. In case the next conclave doesn't go their way. Although, as I've reported to you recently, they're also working to make that a reality as well. That the next conclave does go their way, despite how unpopular Francis is now with many elements in the Roman Curia. I'm curious what you think about this. So is Cardinal McElroy here right? Is he correct in saying that this is about animus towards certain types instead of actually defending the sacraments and the integrity of the sacraments? Is he missing the forest for the trees or willfully not addressing the real problem, which is that this is a normalization of sin? Let me know what you think about this in the comments, please. So like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps too. If you've ever thought about supporting the work of Return to Tradition through Patreon or Subscribestar or that join button below, now is a great time to do so. And it is greatly appreciated. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.